Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding in Conflict. And I'm on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And this is a special podcast-only coronavirus episode uh, where we're featuring various experts who can help people dealing with uh, corona and COVID-related issues, whether or not they're directly related or they're residual from sickness or lockdown orders, executive orders, financial concerns, and the like. And so I'm delighted that my guest today is Dr. Joanne Pedro Carroll. She's a clinical psychologist, consultant, and therapist with 35 years of experience. She's internationally recognized expert on children, parenting, and navigating family changes with resilience. And certainly we are going through some difficult times for families. She's the founder of an award-winning programs for children and parents globally and has received numerous awards for her work with children and families. She's the best-selling author of Putting Children First, Proven Parenting Strategies for Helping Children Thrive Through Divorce. Welcome, Dr. Pedro Carroll. It's, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thank you, Catherine. I'm really very pleased to have this conversation today because, as you just noted, we know these are really tough times, not only in our country, but certainly for parents who are navigating one some of the biggest life changes ever. And I love your, your mission of dignity. And I think a big part of what we want to be conveying in our work in the legal profession and the mental health profession is respectful ways of resolving conflict with mutually beneficial outcomes for parents and their children. So I'm really delighted to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for commenting on that because, you know, it took me a long time actually to come up with what people are looking for, not what they're looking to avoid, right? And so I think that in all of us and our relationships with with people, whether or not they're family members or friends or ex-spouses or our children, are really looking for dignity and for a way that we feel seen and we're able to see other people and affirm them and be affirmed ourselves. And I think the word dignity really sums that up for me. Absolutely. You know, I think it's, it's one of the greatest hungers of the human heart to be understood to be heard, and so and to really feel like you're being valued, your feelings are being acknowledged and valued. And sometimes conflict continues in a downward spiral because some of those basic elements are missing. Yeah, and that's a really great segue to what I think some of our clients are struggling with. And, and people who aren't related to you or to me professionally are out there just struggling with the balancing of the challenge of parenting, the challenge of co-parenting from separate households, and add on that the pandemic. What are you seeing are some of the stresses that people are dealing with now? 
Oh, there are so many. You know, I think one of the toughest things is everything feels heightened in a situation where there's fear, where there's stress, and where there's uncertainty. And uh, particularly for parents, they're overwhelmed with managing multiple roles, taking care of maybe working from home, taking care of their children, homeschooling at a time when, you know, lots of us weren't cut out to be teachers and, you know, enormous respect for teachers out there, right? Because these are multiple roles that parents have taken on. In addition to financial changes, maybe devastating job losses. And for parents who are separated and trying to co-parent, there's a history. There may be a history of strained relationships or loss of trust that adds to kind of a perfect storm of people ending up in conflict that can be very tough for everyone involved. Yeah, I think you're saying so much there, Dr. Pedro Carroll, about how challenging these times are for parents, period. And like just leaving on, like forget the idea of divorce or separation or parenting from two homes or, you know, all of the stresses that that brings into it, but just trying to manage working from home or looking from work from home, be having your children 24-7 without being able to send them on a play date or to the movies, managing this distance learning, which is a lot of homeschooling, which many of us would never have chosen for ourselves, right? And, you know, kudos to those who can do that, and you know, but really, and also the distress of our children who are, are missing their routines and missing their friends, especially in their teenage years, and how to really be able to support them to get the kind of life they need without endangering themselves or us. And this is all really, really hard. And when you add on to that, managing a co-parenting plan that has children going back and forth or even has parents going back and forth in and out and, and the stress that many of us feel about getting sick or bringing unwittingly carrying a virus to a loved one who was vulnerable, either because they're old or they have diabetes or some other health issue. I mean, it's just, it's overwhelming. Even just as I talk about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so much. And, and people are dealing, so many people are dealing with this. And so I think that one thing that's also really hard is to say, okay, we finally got to a parenting plan that you know we agreed to after months of negotiation or that a judge gave to us after months of a trial. And now are, what are we supposed to do with that? You know, are we supposed to keep it in place? Are we supposed to set it aside? And, and does this mean we have to renegotiate this all over again? And you know, what do you think about how should people answer that question? Oh, yes, it's a really important question, Catherine. And one of the reasons my colleagues in the collaborative process and I decided early on with this pandemic and the need for social distancing was to continue our work online with clients because the times are so filled with enormous stress and uncertainty and, you know, the question of, safety, you know, basic health. And one of the things I've seen 
particularly many people I'm working with in my practice are essential workers. They may be healthcare providers, they're people who need to be doing their jobs. And at the same time, of course, want to be continuing to see their children, follow their parenting plan. And understandably, there have been situations where the other parent is very fearful. Well, wait a minute, you know, you're going into a hospital. You could be, and then if you want to be seeing our children, you could be infecting them, infecting me. So when we are in those situations of such heightened fear, I think having a process that can be a safe space for sorting out different options, for listening respectfully to each other's concerns, doing some collaborative problem solving and creative ways to be able to think through what are some options. Uh, I've seen it be not easy, but incredibly helpful. And to have some neutral third parties, whether it's in my role as a child specialist or collaborative attorneys being able to uh, provide advocacy, but also support and some problem solving. We've been able to work through some agreements. And again, not an easy, quick fix, but I go back to the, that sense of dignity and, and respect. Yeah, I think you're pointing out the value of getting some help with this because for people who have a high conflict relationship or are unable to work this out, they don't have to be stuck and, and they don't have to wait for courts to open. They can go right. to mediation or go to a mental health professional or a family counselor, uh, even if they're not in the collaborative process, and find some collaborative way of working together. And, and I think uh, that people feel that it won't be possible. We just disagree so strongly. How could we ever work our way through this problem? And I'm here to say to those people, and I think you're saying this too, there are ways, even when it doesn't seem like there are ways, if you get some help with it. And it doesn't mean that you're just going to have to cave, that we can help people find what's most important, what's really going on, and sort through the various options to, to reach a reasonably satisfactory result. Is that right? Yes, exactly. And you know, there's something about having support that's so critical, isn't it? Because, you know, when we're going through really stressful times, and we certainly are with the pandemic and a lot of the very important issues going on in our country right now, our brains begin to go to fight, flight, or freeze mode. Our brains are sometimes hardwired to go first to that. And it's not an optimal way to problem solve or to, to be able to come to decisions. And I think about how important it is for all of us right now to be able to find ways to calm, to soothe that overactive worry center of our brain that sometimes just wants to act out in anger and rage without thinking through, what is it we're wanting? What's a solution we want to be striving for? And if we're acting out in anger or revenge or rage, it dilutes the main mission 
of what it is that we might want to be working toward in that's health and safety for ourselves and our children. So one of my messages is to be able to find ways of self-care, to be able to know that asking for help when we need it is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness for sure. And we hear so often, Catherine, you know, the analogy of uh, if you're a parent on a flight and there's turbulence and you're traveling with a, with a child, take the oxygen mask for yourself first. And that analogy is, is so frequently used because we all do better when we are taking care of ourselves and can respond rather than react. I think that's so well said. I really do. And I, so I just want to stop and just so we can put an exclamation point on that point is that so many people, and I think women are particularly susceptible to this message, are all about, you know, taking care, taking care, taking care, especially of children, and that it's so important to take care of yourself and that getting help is, especially getting help with a, a really challenging dynamic is, is really a sign of strength. And let me just say that again, it's really a sign of strength because oftentimes people think, you know, you need it. You know, you're, you're weaker. If you were a better person, a stronger person, you know, somehow a more evolved person, you'd be able to work this out for yourself. Well, that's just not true. Absolutely. And you know, if our vision was changing and we didn't go get glasses, someone would think, well, what's up with that person that they haven't figured out? Your life's going to be better if you can see well, right? We all need self-care. It's essential, especially going through stressful times. Yeah, you know, let me just tell you a little glasses story. And I know that this was an analogy, but I think I can illustrate it in a way that's really clear. When I was a kid, I didn't need glasses. My eye doctor said to me, you know, when you're in your 20s, you might need glasses. And I was like, oh, well, you know, never. I'm never going to. That's never going to be me. And uh, <laughs> after our college, I was living in Washington, D.C. with my boyfriend. We broke up. And I was driving myself back to New York, and I realized that he'd always done the drive. So I realized that if I really wanted to see those signs, and you needed to in those days, I had to pull into the right lane, slow down, and turn on my bright lights. And so this was at night. And so I was like, hmm, maybe it's time to go to the eye doctor. And so I went to the eye doctor, and I got these glasses, and they came. And the day I picked them up, I had a blind date. So I went on the date. We were going to the movies. And I, you know, got these glasses out and I sort of like, I'm embarrassed about them, but I said, oh, I have these new glasses. And he goes, oh, me too. And we get out the glasses, the lights come down, the credits go up, you know, and I have my glasses on and I turn to him and in all honesty, I say, it's not blurry. And he says, of course not. And I said, I always thought it was blurry because, and this is the God's honest truth, because it had to be projected so far across the room. Oh, <laughs> Catherine, that's a great story. <laughs> it's exactly, it's a wonderful story because it emphasizes how we can start to get a little deluded thinking, well, this is just the way life is. Yep. I'm always going to be overwhelmed and stressed and depressed and anxious. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know what I did? I went back to the eye doctor and got contact lenses the next week because I was like, well, since I realize that the world is clear, <laughs> I want to get the help so I can see it that way all the time. I love that story. It's a good one. 
And one of the things I I really emphasized in in my book, Putting Children First, there's a whole a whole section about self care because I believe so strongly that we can forget how important getting good sleep and exercise and and healthy food is for us and avoiding you know unhealthy ways of numbing feelings and stress yeah. and I really know as a parent myself if I'm running on empty and not doing what I need to be doing for self-care I'm not the kind of parent I want to be you know yeah. but there's more empathy and more patience and more loving to do when we're refilling our own our own needs. If you're just joining us, this is a special podcast-only episode of Divorce Dialogues uh, focused on managing divorce and divorce-related issues in the coronavirus era. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast for similar episodes in the coming weeks and feel free to share it. I'm Catherine Miller, and I'm talking today with Joanne Pedro Carroll about co-parenting and this coronavirus era. And, you know, I think, Dr. Pedro Carroll, that one thing that is really hard for people is kind of this kind of confusing. I mean, in thinking about putting children first, where one parent thinks of him or herself as, as protecting the children and doing what's necessary to protect the children, but it feels controlling to the other parent. You know, they're not feeding the children the right food. They're not putting them to bed on time. They're not disciplining them. They're not supervising homework enough. And these are the kinds of things that really parents have to learn post-divorce to sort of stay in their own lane about. And now we have this. And it's like another opportunity to be like, well, now you're not taking the kinds of precautions. And so how do people, do you think, tease out what is appropriate sharing of the discipline of managing our safety versus being over-controlling and that kind of hangover dynamic that might be impeding their ability to cooperate in, in this time? Yes, boy, that's a great question, Catherine. And and that's one again that gets feelings about feelings get intensified when there is a whole atmosphere of fear, fear for health, fear for safety, fear for job loss. I think about the power of the analogy for separating parents to renegotiate their relationship from former partners, husband and wife, lovers, to that of respected colleagues, business partners in the important business of raising their children. And by that, I mean thinking about it as if you had a colleague or if you had a business partner in a multi-million dollar business that you wanted to thrive, you would be really mindful and respectful about decision-making, problem-solving. You wouldn't send an angry text accusing your business partner of ruining the business, at least hopefully not. And <laughs> I think about that, that model of thinking of parents, thinking of each other as, as colleagues. Not that you always feel like they may have the best decisions, but that there is some, some room for communicating about the decisions and expressing concerns in a respectful way instead of, there you go again, thinking of yourself instead of the kids. You're always or you never 
that's the kind of language that stops problem solving, stops effective communication. But being able to to really keep a focus on, I'm concerned about our son, he's falling behind in math, I'd like to offer a suggestion. Would you be willing to do the math with him? Or whatever the concerns are about health. Coming to some solutions together. Again, it's not easy, but if parents go off into their corners in a hostile adversarial way, there usually won't be any mutual decision-making happening. You know, I think that oftentimes that it devolves into a, into a question of right and wrong. And both yep. people feel themselves right. And because they feel themselves right, they feel justified in pursuing their rightness. I mean, this happens to me emotionally, too, in, in, in communications with my husband. And you know what? That's great. You're right. Now what? <laughs> you know, you're both right. You know, like just like can we just yes. sort of move that? You know, you know that in a token. I'll get you on the subway. It's like, what does that have to do with it? You still need to be able to share because you both love your child or children more than anybody else on, on the face of the planet does, right? And whether or not you agree or, or disagree on what's best for those people, you have to work together if you want them to be successful. I think is what you're pointing out so eloquently. Absolutely. And I, I wanted to just point out, too, that, you know, when we're in the midst of something like a pandemic and there's a lot going on in our country that we don't have control over, human nature is to want to take control over some small thing or, you know, in a parenting relationship, perhaps a bigger thing and feel like I'm right about this and I need to be the one whose decision gets put into place. The reality is I often think about things from the eyes of children. The reality is that for children, they are watching. They're really looking to see what's happening between mom and dad. What, how does it look like they're getting along with each other. I just had a child say to me recently, I can, when my parents fight, I get that worry feeling. When they're in their, their, mad, their mad talk, I start to worry that I'm going to have to go live with somebody else. I start to worry that they're not going to be able to take care of me anymore. These are things that children don't tell their parents because, for one, they don't always want to make more waves if they feel like their parents are already, there's already tension or conflict. But it adds to children's anxiety, fear, and worry at a time when so many kids are already feeling the loss of their schedule. School is a second home for so many kids. And the loss of routine, seeing their friends. So more than ever, Children need to feel that security that we're going to get through this, that mom and dad are going to figure things out, work together to make yeah. some decisions. That's such a heartbreaking story. And I'm wondering, Dr. Joanne Pedro Carroll, if there are people out there who want to learn more about you or your book, how could they do that? Oh, sure. My book is called Putting Children First. Proven Parenting Strategies for Helping Children Thrive Before, During, and After Divorce. 
And my website is www.pedro-carol.com. Perfect. And from speaking about your book, just in our last few minutes, are there some highlights that you think from your book that are especially helpful for people and parents dealing with trying to find a, a new normal, at least I hope for a short time? Yeah, I think one of the biggest highlights in the book and the reason I wrote it, Catherine, is we hear so often about, you know, the problems that children have after divorce and, and some of the long-term consequences. And I kind of have a mission of healthy relationships, whether you're married, divorced, single, remarried, and those long-term problems we hear about for children and families are not inevitable. They don't have to happen. In fact, the majority of children after a period of adjustment get back on track and can do well. But the biggest factor in how children do over time, well, there are two powerful predictors. One is the extent to which parents can contain their conflict, keep children out of the middle, and the quality of parenting. So, what it comes down to is a very empowering message of hope for parents that how they navigate these rough waters during a pandemic, how they take care of themselves, how they manage conflict with a former partner makes a huge difference and in coming through it with resilience. And, you know, I, I really think the last chapter of the book is all about hope and healing Catherine, because I followed families up 10 years after I had worked with them. And even those who were having a tough time at the beginning were really thriving. Their ch children were doing well. And it wasn't easy, but they managed the conflict. They kept their children's needs a top priority. And as a result, their children were thriving, and so were they. And it's such a powerful message of what can happen, depending on how we take care of ourselves and how we manage kind of the psychological tasks of forming a new life. Well, I think that's a wonderful place for us to wrap up this uh, podcast-only episode of Divorce Dialogues, The Message of Hope. Joanne Pedro Carroll, uh, thank you so much for your participation. It's been a pleasure to have you back. Thank you, Catherine. I really enjoyed our conversation. As did I. Thank you.